listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, gang. Hey, how many have enjoyed this series? This month has been out of sight, has it not? I mean, we had Justin Barclay and Pastor Eric. Last week, we had Garrett Saldano. I... I think he preached really good. I, that was a message that I was like, come on, somebody. He told me afterwards that was the first time he had ever preached at a church, and, and he preached Jesus. He preached the cross. It was so encouraging to be here, and, uh, and so uh, this week will be no exception except this is my first time back in the saddle in several weeks. I had to learn how to write a message again, everybody. But uh, I believe that God has something for you today. If you have your Bibles, if you'd like to open with me to the book of Ephesians, we'll get there in just a second. Um, how many of y'all remember the first time that you went to a bougie, bougie coffee place? Let's say like a Madcap or Starbucks, right? Anybody else remember that? Uh, back like when I was graduating from high school in 0405, it was like really fancy coffee if you went to a place and they put like canned whipped cream on top. That was like, oh, oh, very sophisticated, you know. Somebody had caramel, right? Blah, 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 blah. You know, that was, that was bougie. But, but when you went into Starbucks for the first time, you were going into a different world. Nobody looks at each other in Starbucks. You act like you're the only person in there. Like you're right in front of them. They're looking straight through you. They're working to not see you in Starbucks. And, and, and then you see people, in, and back in the day, this was very weird. Like, people didn't have laptops all over like we have them now. You'd see people on their laptops. You're like, hey, what are you doing? And they, they, what? You know, and, and you, what, what are you doing on your laptop? I'm blogging. You know, and you'd be like, oh, what's that? You know, and, and, and you go up to order your coffee, and you try to order something. You're like, well, I'd like a, a small coffee. And they're like, do you mean tall no, 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 I want a small one, not a tall one, you know? And then if you wanted a medium one, they'd say grande, and you took it as an insult at first, you know? Like, who are you talking to? And, and, and you didn't know the lingo. You didn't know how to fit in. Maybe you had a friend that helped you in that process, and they ordered you something, and you've been addicted for the last 15 years on that one thing, shame the devil, tell the truth. And, and, and the idea is this. I think that Christianity... And even the church world can be a little bit like that sometimes. That is to say, people will come in and there's different lingo, there's different terms for things, people use different expressions, and they're talking about, like, are you sanctified? And you're like, I don't know, I've got, I think it's like uh, Noom cameras for my house. Is that the security you're talking about? You know, and they're talking about washed by the blood, and you're like, ew, but I love Jesus, you know, and you don't get the different things. And sometimes it feels like an insider situation, and you can feel like an outsider. And here's what I know. That happens for people that are new to Jesus, but it happens more often than you'd think to people that have known Jesus for a long time and are just straight facing it in church because they don't want anybody to know. They don't know what's going on either. And so I want to deal with that today because I don't want people talking about like grande and tall sanctification, blood of the lamb, and you're, it's just going over your head. I want you to have a working knowledge of some of these things so you can have a forward motion in your walk with God. Can I hear an amen, somebody? Because when you hear some of those terms, when you went into that Starbucks, the first time that you went in there, kind of makes you feel disqualified, kind of makes you feel like you're not supposed to be there. And people feel that when they come to church, and maybe you feel that, but I want you to know something. You have a call of God on your life. Right. And that disqualification thing in your head, I want to attack that today 
with everything in me. I had you turn to Ephesians. It's going to be good to camp out in chapter 4. We'll be there for most of the service today. Ephesians 4 and verse 1, the Bible says this. Therefore I, a prisoner for serving the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Friend, don't disqualify yourself from it. Look at me. You are called. Look at your neighbor and tell him that you're called. Go ahead. Look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor. Tell him that you're called. Look at the less spiritual one you chose second. Look at them now. Tell them, tell them, I think you're called. We, we can't let the lingo throw us off. We have to realize that we're a part of the journey. Now, I remember when Kai and I, when we got pregnant uh, for the first time, and, and I use the word we very loosely because I've gone through this experience four times, and let me just say to the ladies in the house, you the only one pregnant, and God bless you, you're tough as nails. Um, boy, I heard things from Kai, anyway, I can't even go there. Anyway, but I remember the time of year, it was uh, February of 2015, Kai and I, we were celebrating our anniversary a little bit later, we wanted to kind of have Valentine's and our anniversary at the same time, and we had gotten away, and Kai was feeling a little ill, a little fatigued, and, and she got home and said, we ought to get a test, and I said, well, you ought to go do that, and she said, no, you, you need to go to the Walgreens, and I don't know how in the world, men, we get stuck with that job, there's other things I don't like buying there either, but like, you have to go to the Walgreens, and I got to buy, I don't even know what they're doing, I mean, like, I got all kinds of stuff there, it's like a chemistry set, I don't know, and so I get it, I get these little sticks or something like that, and I have no idea what they do behind closed doors, neither do you really, you think you do and you don't, it's all magic, it's Wizard of Oz, and, and, and Kaya comes out, and she's smiling, and I, I'm like, Okay, you know, and she's showing me, and I'm like, I'm reading right now from your face. Are you pregnant? She's like, yes, look. And I looked down, and there was two pink lines, and I went, oh, and it's a girl. <laughs> By the way, that's not how it works at all, if you were wondering, but um, we, <laughs> we were pregnant. We were, we were pregnant, and that's a magical time. If you know, the first time you, you get pregnant as a couple, and we're so excited and everything. And, and I found this, I have four kids now, that the pregnancy, that's hard. But then it's like, now there's the birth. That, I can't even bring that up. Kai still will forgive me. And so then, then, you go, then you go after that, and now you're raising a kid. And so I think of it like this. Like, you can walk into a Starbucks. Anybody can do it. You can get pregnant. That's the fun, easy part. <laughs> But then there's the birth and the raising, and that, that's a huge commitment. So listen to me. Salvation, free gift. Can't do anything to earn it. But once you're saved and you're in this life, friend, if you do it right, it'll cost you everything. If you do it right, it'll be something that'll be the most rewarding thing in your life as well. And the idea is this. There is both a, a free gift, but then when you get it, there's an incredible responsibility that comes along with it all. And so here's what I'm trying to say. Yes, free gift, you receive salvation, go in there, order whatever you want off the menu, but at the same time, you gotta jump in both feet. Don't feel disqualified because you're hearing things you don't understand. The only way to get this Christianity thing is to lean into all of it. Say amen, somebody. Why? Because we need to grow. Ephesians 4 and verse 11, I'm gonna read it from two different translations. The first one is, the nearly inspired version, it says this. <laughs> now, these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. 
It says the apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers, their responsibility, the Bible says, is to equip God's people and to build up the church, the body of Christ. I grew up on King James Version, but I kind of like New King James the best. Uh, It says this, he gave himself apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. That's active today. And what is it for? The equipping of the saints, that's you, the people of God, for the work of the ministry. Now, I grew up at Rusty Nail Baptist Church in the middle of nowhere, and we had a pastor, and everybody elected him, and, and he went up there, and he was, he was our pastor. And by that, here's what we meant. Pastor, you're going to be doing everything. All the hospital visits, you're going to be doing those. All the weddings, all the funerals, that's on you. You need to do all the messages, all of the calling, all of the visiting people's houses. You are our plan for evangelism. We're paying you crackers, and we expect for those crackers that you're going to do everything and more. And here's what happened. We took the work of the ministry, and we gave it to the leaders. And we took the leadership of the ministry and gave it to the doers. And at New Chapel, it's the opposite way. See, we're not going to have a congregational vote. You know what the congregational vote is? You show up every week. That's, you're voting with your butt. <laughs> like, that's the vote, okay? Thank you for voting. Uh, case closed. We'll, we'll keep on continuing. Next week, we'll have another one, right? Here's where it really counts. You have a leader called by God, and the Bible says in that passage, I'm a gift from God to you. I'm in an office. And while I'm in that office, God's called me to be the leader. Now, I'll minister too, but not because I'm pastor. I'll minister because I'm a Christian. And I am to equip you to do the work of the ministry. If the plan is all Pastor Joe's got it, you will see something fail and fail tremendously. But if this can be grassroots, if this can be bottom up, if we can accept, hey, you got a coach, we got a team, let's take the hill. I love the heart here at New Chapel because we're still crazy enough to take on hell with a squirt gun in Jesus' name. Amen? That's the way that you do it. And so if you think I'm the minister here, you know, you get home, you talk to your friends and family. How is your house good? I like the minister. Don't call me that. You're the minister. I'm pastor. I'm coach. I'll lead this team. But you're in ministry. It is the calling of the Christian to live in that way. It continues on verse 12. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Well, Pastor Joe, that's my problem. Like, I'm afraid of that because I'm not measuring up. I'm still falling short. If I could convey this better in Greek, and there's indicators early in this, but continue until, right? There's words like we will mature. It indicates process. It's not saying so that you'll hit a spot in your life that you measure up to everything. I believe that Billy Graham, up until the day he died, was on a process of taking next steps with Jesus and becoming more like him. Amen? But the idea is that you're moving forward. A better translation would say that you're moving toward the full and complete standard. So don't be intimidated. Sometimes we get intimidated because we hear the lingo and we see what's going on. Or even this, you feel a call to something greater and you don't feel like you measure up when you try to relay to what's resonating in your heart or, or the standard that you know God has for your life. Don't be discouraged. I like to think of purpose and calling. I like to think it more like this. Throw up that slide, guys. It's more like a ship that's at a dock. And the idea with it is this. You think that you're on a ship and all you're supposed to do is get to your destination. 
But the truth is this, you're on this dock and God's loading you up. He's got, he's got projects for you to do, things for you to work on, some next steps. And that ship's going to leave and it's going to go to another port of call. When it gets there, ironically, God meets you there. He's going to take some things off your plate, put some different things on, transition a little bit, and you're going to go to the next port. And the idea with building that big old ship is not that it goes one way. It's that it is on a journey. It has work to do in its lifetime. So we have to begin to think of calling in different terms that God has a process that he's working on you in his way, and we don't need to jump the gun. Can I hear an amen? You know, in the church world, we use a lot of language for this. Uh, Bible word is sanctification. Uh, I've heard it before that it's, uh, it's discipleship or spiritual growth. But street words, like street language here at New Chapel, common man's language is it's taking your next step. And that's the title of today's message. That's the purpose of today. What is our responsibility, Pastor Joe? Write this down. Our responsibility is we choose to take next steps. We make a decision. And, and we know that God has more, but you can't focus on all that. You have to focus on the next step that God has in your life. Now listen to me. God wants to do huge things in your life, magnificent things, bigger than you, bigger than what you even think you could accomplish. In fact, the call on your life is so big, Christian, you could not accomplish it alone. You're going to need a team of people around you to see that happen. But Though he wants to do great things, he doesn't start with the thing he wants you to do. He starts with you. He starts to work resolve on the inside of your heart. He starts to give you a why behind the what. He starts to, he starts to unload some character things that you can't take with you to that next level. You need God's best in your life. And he starts on the inside. That is the pattern of God. I like how it says it in verse 14. Then we will no longer be immature. Like children, we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. You know, you're living in a world right now that has winds blowing through it. And if you listen to these guys long enough, you're like, well, that doesn't sound so bad. It sounds reasonable. But it's a trick. It's, it's a trap. It's like an Admiral Akbar anointing. It's a trap. You know, like it's, it, the world will, will convey one thing. Who is subject to that? People who are immature like children. You don't have an edge to you. You don't know the character of God. You know, you can know God's character through his word and trust him to the level that you're like, that's not God. You can know the word of this power. He's like, that's not him. That's crazy. And in fact, if you've been around this, this whole Christian world for long enough, you'll see the same winds of doctrine blow through the church and blow out of the church. Right now, and I'm a grace guy. I'm a faith guy for sure. I'm a grace guy. God is gracious and loving. But there is a brand of grace being taught today that is so gracious, it's more gracious than Jesus. And I've learned this. If there's a brand of grace that does not bring glory to God, it's no grace at all. It's one of these winds that are blowing through. Can I hear an amen, somebody? You need to safeguard yourself uh, from all of this because it is very easy to get rattled. Now, write it down. I, I want to unpack this in the time that we have. Taking these next steps will produce something in your life. Number one, it produces spiritual strength. And friend, you are in need of spiritual strength. You need to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Paul is writing this passage to a world not so different from our own. We think we're so civilized because... 
we have an iPad, but the reality is the antiquities that you can see in the world that he was living in, people go on vacation to go look at some of those buildings today. They still stand. And he's, he's preaching to a world that morally and culturally was having some of the dysfunction that we're having today. We are being tossed about, aren't we? We're being thrown around, and, and it is exhausting sometimes. You're hearing stories and tales and new winds come through. And what the, the, the raider is doing is he's conveying from the heart of God. Number one, he's acknowledging the fact that that's happening. And let me just acknowledge the fact that it can be exhausting with some of the things you'll face in culture. But then what he does is he stresses the importance of how to solve it. How do you solve it? Continuing to anchor your life, your faith in more of Jesus. How? You have to get past the immaturity that we all have to get past. It knocks at everyone's door. Just like we freely say that there's common temptations. You have to understand, when you accept Christ, it doesn't matter how educated or uneducated, what cultural background, there is an immaturity that you have to work out, and it doesn't get better with age. Having a father that passed away in his 80s, I will tell you this, some people grow older but don't grow up. And in some areas, he was very mature. In other areas, not. We'll drop that right there. But it's not an age thing, is it? Maybe you've been so fortunate to meet people like that. It's something that has to be worked on. And so what I've learned is it's fairly stripping sometimes. You have to give up things, things that are familiar. And so write this down. You've got to give up to go up. There's things in your Christian walk that he will require from you, things that were okay for you to do in one season. Even if it's not sin, it's not going to be permissible for where you're going. It's going to cost you greatly if you keep that thing active. you got to give up to go up and be willing to listen to a Lord and say, you know what, God, whatever you say, you know better than me. I'm in. I'll give up that thing if it means your best in my life. He uses a very interesting example in all of this. I'm not going to get into it or read it, but in this conversation, you can read it. He talks about how when he became a man, he put childish things behind. Now, what is he trying to say in this, this particular passage? He's saying you need to leave your childish ways behind. You need to leave all of that. We think of our biggest problem as sin. And before Christ, your biggest problem is sin because without Jesus, you'll go to hell. I mean, before Jesus, sin is your problem. But once you've accepted Christ, it's not just sin in a general sense because you're going to go to heaven. You know what your biggest problem is? Immaturity. It's a certain sin. It's a certain falling short. And, and, and what does that look like? To be immature, it is the areas of your life where you have not let God be strong in. You might be somebody who got saved at a point in your life where you're very mature. A natural maturity, do you know what it is? Maturity is putting process between opportunity and decision. That's all maturity is. That's a natural maturity. But spiritual maturity is a total dependence on God, a trust in him that is unwavering in every way. And so what God wants to do is deal with this immaturity, and Paul relates it to us being like children. Now, I told you I'm a father of four, and I love this. If you ask kids, my kids or any other kids, what do you want to be when you grow up? They never answer, well, I just want to be a kid. They never do it. Toys R Us was wrong. They do want to grow up. What are they going to say? Fireman. I want to be a police officer. I want to be an ambulance worker. I want to be a doctor. I want to, I want to be a surgeon. I want to be a pastor. I want to be an insurance salesman. I don't know, whatever. You know? They're going to answer 
with the thing that they want to do. And I think that that is so good. It's a positive thing. I encourage that in young people, even though they might bounce around a thousand times before they actually land on what God has called them to do. Now, question, is it realistic for my five-year-old to think that way? Let me answer for you. Yes. Even if they answer that they want to be a Mandalorian when they grow up, it's okay because here's what they're trying to tell you. They want to be more than a kid. They want to continue to progress. You know what I'm talking about? But at the same time, if you needed your appendix cut out, is it appropriate to have a five-year-old come in and perform the operation? No. If Jack comes at you with a knife, you need to do the same thing I do when Jack comes at me with a knife, and that's run. (laughs) But at the same time, funny, not funny. Uh, At the same time, that doesn't mean that we don't encourage him. You see? That's how God is. He knows that you haven't arrived yet, and he's okay with that. But he's going to continue to feed into that dream, and we're going to encourage our kids to to, to dream and and think big and do great things. And we know that they have potential inside of them. We know that we can encourage them, but there's more growth required before they're going to be able to land. That's the heart of God for you. And that's what Paul is trying to convey here. He's relating to all of us, and he's trying to say, it's like growing up naturally. It's the same way. So don't be discouraged when your life is not all that and you're not all there, be encouraged that you're on a journey, that on a process. And don't stop dreaming along the way. Don't stop pursuing God for great things. Don't stop writing down these dreams of great things. There is endless potential inside you, Christian. Can I hear an amen? Okay, verse 15. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who's the head of his body, the church. Write it down. Number two, taking our next steps. What's it going to do? It's going to grow us to be more like Jesus. Grow us to be more like him. So as we take these next steps and we're growing in every way, we become more like Christ, the Bible says. And that's the goal. More of God coming out of us in this world and not our old us. Anybody else just kind of tired of the old you? (laughs) Maybe you're like, I'm kind of still living the old me, and I don't like me. You know, like I t- I'm, right. you gotta, you got to face off with yourself and say, you know what, i I got to change. i gotta, I got to take steps. And you can do it. In that process of taking the next steps, you'll become more like Jesus. doesn't mean you become perfect overnight, but people will begin to see it in your life. Every time that we take a next step, that's what's happening. I like how it says it in Galatians 2.20. You can turn there. I'll read it for us. But Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live now in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. That, that crucifixion of self, that old me, I'm putting that old me to death, and I'm letting more of Jesus come out in my life. And people in your life, your family members, your spouse, friends in your circle, they'll begin to see it, and they'll be like, what the world is going on in your life? You're not even who you used to be. You know, uh, the me from, from my childhood and adolescence and teenage years, when I run into people from my hometown, they don't even recognize me. Their gum falls out of their mouth when they hear that Joe Bevilacqua is a pastor. I mean, some of the stunts that we pulled together make them think that somebody's joshing them when they hear that kind of stuff because I was, I was a little wild, everybody, and I wasn't always saved, and, and, and I'm not immune to sin like everybody else. But, you know, the idea is I didn't become who I am overnight. I don't, I'm not saying that I am anything. I am what I am by the grace of God. 
But I have become who I am by just taking the next step that God has put in front of me, by trusting him on a journey. And, and here's what's happening. When you begin to take next steps, all of the intentions that you have to be a better person, they go from just being intentions to becoming good fruit. Write that down. Next steps turns good intentions. All of that, boy, I'm going to do this, that, and the other. It turns that into actually something that's fruitful in your life. Because that's the tension. You feel the pressure to be who God has called you to be, and you can kind of see it. You can relate to it a little bit. And there's pressure with it, but you can't feel the pressure of where you're going. You have to feel just, hey, God, I'm going to be faithful with this. I'm going to take this step and honor you in it. You don't have to make everything happen in your life. You can yield to him and let him work in you. There's a lot of freedom that's found in that. It says this in the next uh, passage in Galatians 5, that the fruit of the Spirit is... Love and joy and peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Then it says, against such, there is no law. Do you know what that's talking about? It's saying, it doesn't matter if you're in 2022 and the world's gone crazy. It's going to work. God's going to show up in your life. You'll be fruitful in your walk with him. doesn't matter if you're in ancient Rome. doesn't matter if you're divorced. It doesn't matter your family situation. doesn't matter if you just got fired. There's no law against this. God can start a process in you that fundamentally changes you, and you can have better than the gum some juicy fruit come out of your life. Say amen, somebody. You know, when I started this church, and I think about the word gentleness, I was a pastor at the time, and I don't know if gentleness even kind of gelled with what anybody would say about Joe Bevilacqua. The people that know me now think space aliens have abducted me, that I'm the nicest, most gentle little teddy bear in the whole world. Well, it's God working in my life, and he's going to continue to do it. I'll continue to become better at him just as I take those next steps. On my own power, at best, it's win some, lose some with that list of the fruit of the Spirit. But in Christ, it can become a reality. Can I hear an amen? Okay, we got to press on. Ephesians 4, now verse 16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Settle it in your heart. Listen to me. If no one's ever told you, you are called. He puts it together in a special and a unique way. What is he trying to say there? That, that your call on your life, it is custom tailored. It's not bespoke. It's, it's tailored to you. It fits like a glove. It's who you are called to be, and it's not like anybody else. It might be similar, but you have a specific call, and it is for you. And in, in, in Romans 11, the Bible says that that call is irrevocable. So you can't sin your way out of it. You can't cuss your way out of it. You can run from God as long as you live until the day you die. If you're still sucking air, God still wants to leverage that call active in your life. And I am preaching 148% better than you're letting on. Say amen. It's irrevocable. You can't run from this call that God has put on your life. And so taking next steps, number three, write this down. It leads us to a life that's filled with purpose. That calling, that purpose, and what is that talking about? A life with more meaning, a life that has more for you. That purpose is, is, is so significant. And I've wrestled with that since I rededicated my life to Christ, felt that call for more. And with my calling, what I believe that I'm called to, with my personality type, with my gift set, a really wise leader told me this, and boy, was he ever right. He said, Joe, you're going to be frustrated most of your life until you're in your sweet spot. And then everyone's going to be like, wow, that's right where he was supposed to be. 
But you see a lot of that, you got to grow into that. you got to be able to have some seasoning, be able to do some reps before you get to your spot. And so I've been frustrated in my call. But maybe as I talk about purpose and calling and God having more for you, maybe you've struggled with this. What is my call? What am I supposed to do? When am I supposed to do it? How do I get this all done? And what the Apostle Paul is doing in this passage is he's saying that you're going to grow spiritually. You're going to grow into that calling step by step. You have to stop thinking of your calling as a destination that you're going to and start to believe that God has you on a journey. It means that today is purposeful. Write this down. Your purpose has never been a mere destination. Write it down. Your purpose has always been journey. It is that ship going from port to port, and God has new things and new seasons. He's going to put more on, take different things off. You will be progressing through life. But if you think that, well, once I get over to my port of call, it's not about that. It's about journeying now. You're, you're living your life. If you're a Christian, God has purpose for you now that you can leverage. You don't have to wait to live your life on purpose. Amen, somebody. And so maybe you're not in the job that you'd like to be in that you envision yourself doing something different. Maybe you've hit an age that, that when you think about how old you are, you didn't think that you'd be here at this age. You thought things would be totally different. And maybe you're even confronted with younger people or people in a different season or people in your own age group, and you're looking at them, and they're like mondo successful, and it's so intimidating. God can still leverage where you're at. Don't discount where you're at. Maybe you know that there's more. Don't get so vision drunk that you're focused on that future thing that you overlook what God has today. Don't discount today, friend. God has a today that he wants to leverage for his goodness and for his blessing and for progress towards that great thing. I'll never get there, Pastor Joe. You have to stop thinking that way. Write it down. This is the best advice I can give you today. Don't hate the process. Embrace the process. Because if you hate the process, listen to me, you're going to hate a lot of your life. Well, I'm supposed to be over there. You're restless. And it's going to make it so you start fidgeting, you start like, like messing with the process, you start taking advantage of things, you start trying to make it happen on your own. No, no, no. I'm not going to make anything happen on my own. I have learned that lesson. I'm going to sink back and be like, God, what do you want me to do today? I'm down. Whatever you say. I'm not going to rush it. You know, our church is at the greatest tipping point. I, 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 this is what happens. Churches go from our size to blowing up, and everyone's like, they're an overnight success. Nine years in the banking. Because I prayed a very dangerous prayer. God, I wish I didn't pray it. God, don't send us anybody else until we can take care of the person that came before him. Well, that's great. But now I look around the room and I see people that are mature, that are taking steps, that are ready for more. And the tipping point's going to come. But you have to lean into process. You can't hate it. Garrett, last week, he talked about planting seeds. And, and that story happened in our life. My wife went by Marshalls, you know, and, and got these little planters, these little ceramic planters that look like dinosaurs. One looked like a long neck, and the other looked like T-Rex and a stegosaurus. And, and the very top of them, you put potting soil in, and you could plant a plant inside a dinosaur. And so Kaya got it all ready, and she was going to plant some lima beans for the kids. And uh, so they, they plant it, and it's all this great educational thing. And, and so she, she puts it up in the window, and so gets plenty of sun. So after week one, uh, a little spud came up. And week two, it's like, oh, man, this is, 
This is really beginning to happen. But our son Jack's wasn't. In week three, nothing happened. We're like, Jack, we'll have to plant some more beans. I don't understand why it isn't working. And Jack said, I know. Every day I go and I dig up my little seed and I look at it. He says, I've even tasted it. You know, put it back, cover it back up again. And we laugh. But how many of us look like that spiritually? You're meddling, you're scheming, you're trying to make something happen. And God, in his good time, will accomplish it in your life. You don't have to be anxious for anything. It's process. What did we read? Ephesians 4.16. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. Each does their own special work. I love this. It helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is what? It's healthy, growing, full of love. When you take next steps, this church is going to grow. Other people are going to grow because you're growing. It's contagious. You're going to take steps in your faith, and people are going to be healthy in this house. And that is the heart of God. That's been the heart of this church since we launched this church almost nine years ago. And that is how you will take progress. When we do this, you'll grow healthier and stronger, and you'll show the world the love of Jesus. There was a time when... I was born again. I was saved. But at the same time, it was before I rededicated and, and went on the great run that I've been on since 2004. And I was frustrated with my faith. I was, I was frustrated because I knew God had more for me, and, and yet I was where I was. I was dealing with certain sins. I was like, I, I don't know. I just want to be done with it. I want to graduate from that one and move on. And, and, and I was so frustrated in the process. And the thing that changed me was this. I went to a life-giving church, and I walked in, and, and I saw people out in the lobby commons area similar to ours, and they were reading their Bible, and I saw people smiling and talking to each other and being happy. At the church I grew up in, we just acted like we were happy, but we were, no, you've never been there, okay. And, uh, and, and, and then worship started, and I went to a very reserved church. like We had piano and organ only. We had whole sermons about how drums were from the devil. Not in the Bible, that sermon, but like we, we heard it. And I came in and the worship was very similar today. And I'm listening to it. My chest is bumping. And I'm looking at people. And, and even though I'm like, okay, well, that's of the devil. But, but I'd look at the people. <laughs> I'm judging everyone. I'm looking at the people that are there. And I can see they love Jesus. And I believe I'm saved. But I got saved because I don't want to go to hell. I don't love Jesus like these people love Jesus. That day, it was a Saturday night service. I came back for the Sunday morning. I was so enamored with what God did. I rededicated my life to Christ. Within months, I gave up scholarships. I went to, uh, down to Tulsa, Oklahoma, to Bible college. And I've been on a journey ever since. But here's what I'm trying to say. I had to stop trying to be everything that God wanted me to be all at once. I had to lay off that country church guilt that I grew up with, just sufficient for the day is the trouble therein. God, you have a next step for me. I'm just going to take that step. Yeah. And the net result is 15, 18 years down the road, I'm a fundamentally different person. I know the lingo. Venti, sugar-free, vanilla, extra shot, hot because we don't drink cold coffee because America. <laughs> See, 
And gang, here's what I'm trying to say. Step by step, God will lead you there. So our responsibility, write it down, take next steps, right? But our goal is to be more mature, to grow in that process of becoming more like him. Okay, I got to wrap this up. Here's the question. What's your next step? For some of us in the room, as I'm, as I'm preaching the sermon, it's bubbling up in your head. You're like, I know I need to do this. For some of you, as I'm, I'm talking about next steps, like maybe not a thing is showing up in your head, but you, like the epitus, like I know God has more, like that's bubbling up. And so I don't want to assume that everybody's hearing the same thing. I want to help you. Let me pastor you through just some basic next steps that we could all look towards. Uh, the first one is this. Knowing God, right? And we would break that up and say, begin a relationship with God through Jesus. Get baptized. In fact, guys, listen to me. Next week, everybody say next week. We're having water baptisms, and we're doing it a little bit different. It's still going to be beach baptisms, but we're not going out to Grand Haven. I love it there. It's amazing, and we may do that in the future. We are going to Cranberry Lake, which is 10, 15 minutes down the road. I want to invite everybody. Now, listen, we're going to have all the porta johns and a big old tent, and it's going to feel more like a church picnic there than I think our church picnic feels when we do it on the asphalt outside. And so bring your swimsuit. We're going to be baptizing. And listen, if you haven't been baptized, please sign up over at guest services or at newchapel.com slash baptism because you need to get baptized. And, and be at church every week. And, and get a free Bible. Go to uh, guest services and grab a free Bible and then read it every day. If you're sitting next to a neighbor and you're looking at their Bible and it looks really nice to you, maybe it's like a real leather Bible, you can steal it from them. They're a Christian. They have to forgive you. <laughs> okay, so maybe everybody's hiding their Bibles. <laughs> uh, welcome to that church. So, so there's another level, and that would be that you would begin to find freedom. And so finding freedom, uh, we would say you need to join a small group. Maybe you're part of a group and God's like telling you, hey, you need to lead a group. Go lead it. I'm going to tell everybody in the sound of my voice, it, it doesn't matter if you're a new believer or if you've been coming here the entire time we've been open. I would encourage everyone to attend New Chapel Grow when it starts this fall because it fills in the blanks on so many things that we missed out on, just go over our heads. And when you get it, it's rich, everybody. It applies to so many areas. Okay, I got to move on. Uh, so finding freedom, there's also discovering purpose. Now with discovering purpose, I would say this, go to New Chapel Connect. New Chapel Connect happens during church. So during the 9 o'clock and during the 11 o'clock, it's the same. And every other week, we go through the two parts. So there's two parts to it. It's called Partnership 1 and Engagement 2. First week of the month, second week of the month, third and fourth, we go back and forth between those two classes. And we did it during church so that you could come to church, worship the Lord at 9 o'clock or 11, and on the opposite service, go to New Chapel Connect. What do we talk about? We talk about the vision of the church. We talk about purpose. And we begin steps towards you living out a godly purpose. It's just the beginning of a process. We finish a lot of that in New Chapel Grow. I would encourage every person, on the sound of my voice, if you haven't gone there, go next week. Let's pack it all out, and it'd be a significant thing. Maybe if you wanted to, you could wait to the first week of the month on August, the first week in August. That way you could start on Partnership One. But I go back there. I'm able to meet you, able to talk Charlie. You're able to ask questions to uh, Pastor Brian and hear from my own mouth what the vision of this church is and how to take steps in your own vision. Now, not next week, but the week after that, we're starting a series called Into the Future. And yes, your pastor is giving you a series in August that's themed after Back to the Future because the 80s were amazing. Everything about it, okay? 
Jesus, right? And so here's the idea. You say, well, Pastor Joe, I thought we were done with cute church. I thought we were done. I thought we were serious. We are. I'm done with cute church too. But at the same time, I still plan on having a lot of fun in my life. And I think there's nothing wrong with having a DeLorean on stage in Jesus' name. And so uh, the idea with that series is we're going to be talking about how God has more. And the reason why we're going to be opening up that topic is because the month of August and the month of September are going to be preparing us for something we've never done before at New Chapel. What is it? It's a spiritual growth campaign, more than a series. It'll be six weeks, starting in October and the first week of November, where I am shutting down most other things that we do at this church, and all of us are going to be on the same page, growing in our purpose in God. The whole idea with it is, you were made for more. I'm starting the preparation for that in August. It will be, listen to me, mark my words, remember this moment. It will be the greatest season of growth in this church, both of depth and of numbers that you have ever seen. We will struggle to match it because of what God will do in that series. And I'm not trying to jazz you up for like you going out and trying to do pyramid scheme church. And that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying God will have his way on this thing and we will see fruitful results in Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen? And then uh, finally, there is making a difference. Maybe your next step is to make a difference and that is join the go team. Serve as an usher. Help make the coffee. Help serve back in kids. I right now, I need more people to sign up in kids. I need them. We're getting along without you, but I really need to open up another classroom. In order to do that, I need a minimum of four, and I'd like to have up to eight. That way, everybody can have a, a on week and off week and be able to have a sit one, serve one when they serve. And it is nothing for you to do that. You'd say, well, Pastor Joe, I mean, I've, I've got my own issues in life. You know, one of the greatest ways that you can grow is by teaching someone else. Back when I was very rough around the edges, I went back there and taught kids' church. And some of the Bible stories I preached to you, it's because I preached them first in kids' church when I was learning the content for the first time. Like, who is Shadrach and what is he doing? So outreach opportunities we offer on a regular basis. Acts of kindness cards. Go back there at guest services, grab one. It's a little business card. And here's what it is. You go through the drive-thru and you're like, hey, how much is the bill of the person behind me? Well, that's 10 bucks. Okay. I'll pay for that, and you give them this little card. And it says, a little something extra to show that God loves you. And, and it's just something that just random acts of kindness. And then finally, one of the greatest ways you can make a difference is inviting friends and family to church. And so here's the big idea. Bring it back home. Yeah, ask yourself. But more importantly, ask, God, what's my next step? What does he have for you? It's not so important that you hear from me. It's important that you hear from God because God has a next step for you. And here's what I know. When we get on the same page with the process that Jesus has for our life, you will see godly fruitfulness in you and your family and your kids like you could not imagine. That's the power of taking a next step. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for my church. Some people in the sound of my voice know their next step. God, I pray that they be bold and take it. Some people, God, as I gave that list, they know that several things on there they could do, get baptized. Father, I pray that the strength of this church will be found in its people as they take their next steps in you. And God, I thank you that you bless it. People that came from maybe a pedigree or family that had no Christian tradition, that they can break generational curses 
and show freedom in their life and their marriage and broker peace for their kids. Jesus, I pray that you have your way in families and in people's lives, and I pray that they leave with a crystal vision of what their next step is. And God, if there's anyone in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, help me to find them. In Jesus' name, heads bowed, eyes closed, just for another minute. If you don't have a relationship with God, if your life's not right with God for whatever reason, the Bible says that the only way to have that peace with God is through his only son, Jesus. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's basically saying, Jesus, you're the boss over my life, and I'm done being the God over my own life. The Bible says that when you make that decision, that that relationship with Jesus is strong enough to carry you into eternity. That you'll go to heaven when you die. You'll avoid a Christless hell. But at the same time, eternal life doesn't start when you die. It starts the moment you accept Christ. That's where the joy and the peace and the provision and the next steps are. So friend, if you're in this place and you know you need to be right with God, Make today the day that you make Jesus the Lord of your life. We're going to pray, and I ask that everybody in the sound of my voice, you pray this out loud. Pray it as a declaration of your faith, and pray it in support of those people who are praying it for the very first time. Pray it out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess, Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sins. Put your spirit in me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Proud of you. Now, if you did just accept Christ, the reason why we cheer is because we know the freedom that is going to rush into your life, but you need to know those next steps. If you came with somebody, they'll encourage you to do it. Grab one of those connection cards that we mentioned earlier in service. Fill it out. Check the box that says, I accepted Christ today. I'll send you a note talking about next steps. God has great things, the least of which is to fill out that card. Church, one more time, let's support those people that accepted Christ. Great job. Stand up on your feet, church. Hey, did you get anything out of this uh, service? First day I'm back. I I hope that you received. And and next week will be no exception. We're going to have a riot bringing the word to you. Uh, Just a couple of quick announcements. Our golf outing, I misspoke last week and said that it's a men's golf outing. It's an everybody's golf outing. I wasn't trying to say that women can't golf. I can't golf. But here's what's happened since I last spoke to you. Somebody done donated to Pastor Joe their golf clubs. And so now I have to go. And so listen, men, women, everybody... We're going to have a lot of fun, if nothing else. And so it is uh, up on August 6th at 9 o'clock at Moss Ridge Golf Course. Ladies, this is only for you. We are having a bunco night. It is coming up on August 27th. That's a save the date. We're not sure about the timing, but that bunco night, listen, that is ladies only. You will be regarded as a major creeper if you're a dude and you show up for that night. In fact, New Chapel's not the church to pull that kind of stuff at. Okay. 
I also want to tell you that we have some new merchandise, and that's available to everybody. Uh, as you guys know, we don't make any money off from that. It's not like that at all. But uh, I'm really hoping that a lot of people buy the T-shirt that I designed, and I designed it 80s fabulous. It has like a globe with a cross and a flame above it and a Jesus saves in the middle. And our final announcement, I don't know if I've shared this with you yet in our time, but next week we're having beach baptisms. And so listen, come with your appetite. We're going to leave straight after the 11 o'clock over to Cranberry Lake. You'll leave with a little card that has instructions and directions. We'll also post those socially. Bring your bathing suit. It's going to be a riot out at Cranberry Lake. Guys, you don't want to miss it. Uh, hey, why don't you give it up for my wife as she comes up? Babe, let's pray for the people. We love you so much, and uh, we're encouraged next week's going to be phenomenal. Bring somebody with you. You're not going to want to miss the last part of Sizzling Summer. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace.